SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Monday! Welcome to the Morning After on SportsGrid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours here on the grid. Over the weekend, it is our first overreaction Monday from this weekend's NFL preseason week one. These rookie quarterbacks, I'm actually pretty mm. surprised with how a lot of you on Twitter have been reacting to some of these rookies. It's only game one, everybody. Also in Major League Baseball, there have been some big storylines, including some new teams in first place for the first time since April. John Sheeran, director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, going to join us a little bit later into this hour. He's going to tell us how that futures market's moving across sports, not just in MLB, but in the NFL, NBA, college football. It's all starting in the next few weeks. My co-host Ben Stevens joining me now. Ben, over the weekend, you have prided yourself in being a preseason handicapper. And this weekend, I would say the handicap was pretty easy when it came to totals. Listen, for totals, it was way, way under. Here's my overreaction on Overreaction Monday. Preseason NFL football is my favorite sport to bet and possibly the sport I best handicap because out of my five best bets for the first week of NFL preseason action, I went 4-1 and and was feeling pretty good about how I was assessing this NFL preseason action taking place here in the opening week of this preseason action. I felt pretty good, Ariel. And my other overreaction is that Justin Fields is not going to walk. He is going to run to Canton, Ohio in the NFL Hall of Fame. That's just a little bit of how I feel based on what we saw week number one preseason game. Shmee season game. He looked great against the Miami Dolphins. But preseason action was so much fun to handicap and so much fun to just watch and enjoy and have football back in our lives. But you're right. The trends were very, very strong in week number one of the preseason. Trends not as strong when it came to taking a side. The spread straight up, eight and seven both, straight up and against the spread Mm. for the favorites. When it came to the totals, two and 13 over under. 13 out of 15 games this weekend go under the total. That doesn't even include what happened last week in the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and the Steelers, which also went under. So two and 14 is how these totals have started over under in the preseason. Ben, when it comes to these unders cashing, why? I don't really know why, because it's a very big difference from the last five years of week one preseason action. By far the lowest average we have seen. 16 games in this NFL preseason week number one. The average total across 31.9 points per game. That is well below even the lowest total we had in the past five years of preseason action back in 2017. That was 34.8. If you go to 2019, it was 41.5 points per game. If you go to 2018, it was 41.8 points per game. But this week... 2021, week number one of the preseason, that average margin again over those 16 games, 
31.9 points per game. The highest scoring affair, Philly and Pittsburgh back on Thursday night. That was 40 points. We saw a couple of games up in 39, but a lot of games that you saw around that 30 to 35 range hitting a ton of unders throughout this week one of the NFL preseason. Ariel, as I'm sure you noticed, over the weekend as well, our good friends and partners at FanDuel were giving you a couple more ways to win by giving you some first half totals. Saw a lot of 17, 17 in the hook. Well, over those 16 preseason games, as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the first morning, or first hour of the morning after, rather, on this Monday, it's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast, discussing these strong trends we had when it came to totals in the NFL preseason week number one not just game overall but first half totals as well Ariel and throughout those 16 games the average total in a first half 16.9 points per game we saw a lot of totals around 17 17 and a half those would have swayed under as well but 13 of the or maybe 13 of the 15 or 16 preseason games that we had in this week number one leaning toward the under huge huge unders this weekend it was a lot of fun to see and a lot of games that we saw throughout this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even one on Sunday yesterday between the Colts and the Panthers. Here's what's amazing. When you bet on games, if you bet an under, it just makes the game so exciting. I was never into the preseason until I really got into gambling. Because even the preseason, the only time that I cared is watching my own team. When it came to watching the Ravens, I liked to see some of the rookies. I liked to see some of the new players. If there was any reason to watch it was because the Ravens try in the preseason unlike other teams if you're betting unders if you're betting these under parlays like I know a lot of you were sending me over the weekend that you're betting these under parlays then you're having a great time watching preseason football taking a side wasn't as dominant I mentioned before eight and seven straight up eight and seven against the spread for the favorites Betting totals has been the way to play it. And even some underdogs, too. You were able to cash in on some. I know Yanni the Greek came on our show two weeks ago. He gave out the Denver Broncos plus one or plus one and a half. And you were able to go grab that two weeks ago. Then just seeing some of the dogs cash, some unexpected dogs cashing, like the Denver Broncos, in addition to all those unders, it made for a really exciting preseason week one. Now the question is going to be, how do we approach week two? Right. Can we take what we saw in week number one and use those trends to favor us in week two when we might see the starters out there for a little bit longer in week number two of the preseason? That will be something to notice. By the way, the Broncos was a great example of line movement. They opened up as a one and a half point underdog on the road in Minnesota. By the time we got to kick, they were a three point favorite. The book is also adjusting after week number one of the NFL preseason. That's why Yanni says he loves it. Crack says he loves it. When the book is so uncertain, you have an edge. We're going to recap these games more in depth coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. If you don't know me by now, then you are... Hmm, I feel bad for you because you have to know where I'm going with this. The Baltimore Ravens are the best preseason team ever. And even if they lose every game after this in the preseason, I don't care. 16-1-1 against the spread. And they have now won hmm. uh, 18 straight preseason games. They have not lost a preseason game since 2015. Not only that, the Ravens have only lost two home preseason games since that time. It's been an unbelievable run for this team, and good teams win, great teams cover. So winning 18 straight preseason games, in addition to going 16-1-1 against the spread, this was so much fun to watch. And if you saw, the Ravens were down 14-9 at halftime. It was the former Penn State quarterback, Trace McSorley, who was under center for the first half. The second half, it was Tyler Huntley, who was so much mm. fun to watch. I had I had a great time, and it was worth every penny of the $100 I spent on NFL Game Pass, Ben. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a biggie line from you early on on this Monday. If you don't know, now you know, but I didn't think you would go there. Anyway, the Ravens have been an absolute preseason dynasty, 18 straight, 16-1-1, because like you mentioned, Ariel, good teams win great teams cover the Ravens are an extra super great team when it comes to the NFL preseason if you haven't watched any Tyler Huntley from his time at Utah well watch him now with the Baltimore Ravens because the way the Ravens even utilize their backup quarterbacks and Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley looks very similar to the offensive scheme you see with Lamar Jackson and the starters when they are out there the Baltimore Ravens ran the ball 44 times in a preseason game on Saturday night 44 rush attempts for 190 yards overall as a team, including that seven-yard TD run by Tyler Huntley midway through the fourth quarter that led to a Ravens win, an 18th straight NFL preseason Ravens win. And what was so weird about this, and we just talked about it at the end of our first segment, the line movement you will see leading up to kick on a Saturday during the NFL preseason in August because the book also is a little bit uncertain about how to set the best number. The Ravens opened up as a two, two and a half point uh, favorite in a lot of places. By the time we got to kick on Saturday night against the Saints on FanDuel, Baltimore was only a one point favorite. I'm like, you only have to lay one on the Baltimore Ravens, a team that has won 18 straight NFL preseason games. Heck yeah, give me that line movement in my favor, even though it worked against the favor of the Baltimore Ravens and certainly winning straight up on that money line, which was Ariel's best bet on TB'd up on Friday afternoon, and also covering that spread because not only just 18 straight straight up, 16-1-1 against the spread. John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens, an NFL preseason dynasty. NFL preseason dynasty. The only thing that annoyed me the most is that I bet this a few, uh, few days ago. So I ended up getting the Ravens at minus 145 on the money line, where on game day, I could have gotten them around minus 120. I want to go up to yeah. John Sheeran, the director of trading at FanDuel, and say, you know nothing, Jon Snow. They know oh. nothing. They went against them. They went against the Ravens, and it didn't work in their favor. Moving on, though, we have to talk about the Chicago Bears. And I know that you've been waiting, Mr. Big Ten Ben, to talk about Justin Fields, the quarterback who went in the first round of the draft this year to the Chicago Bears. The Bears beat the Dolphins 20-13. to Credit to my friend Adam in the group chat because Adam said at halftime of this game, go bet the Bears live right now because it's going to be the second half of Justin Fields. Fields ends up going 14 of 20, 142 passing yards and a touchdown. Replaced Andy Dalton with about 12 minutes left in the second quarter of the game. 
Ben, when it came to the post-game, that's where things really heated up because Fields said that the game was actually kind of slow to him. How'd you see mm -hmm. Justin Fields in game one of his NFL career? Keep the receipts, folks, because if you listen to me at all, in March and in April, I said there is no way that Justin Fields should not be the second quarterback drafted in the 2021 NFL Draft. And boy, oh boy, I know it's one preseason game. I know it was a small sample size against the Miami Dolphins at home in Soldier Field. But Justin Fields looks like a pro's pro because as he mentioned there in that quote, the game seemed a little bit slow. And that's what quarterback evaluators will tell you. First and foremost, when you want to see how a rookie is going to adapt to this new level, college, the spaces are wide open. You can take advantage. You don't need to thread many needles. Your wide receivers blow coverages all the time. But in the NFL, things move a little bit more fast. And when you look at what Justin Fields did on Saturday in Chicago against Miami, it was the poise that really stood out to me. 14 of 20, 142 yards through the air, and a touchdown pass. Five rushing attempts, 33 yards, also a touchdown utilizing his legs. And Ariel, I highlight both of those statistical categories because he was carving apart the Dolphins' defense. He really seemed like he knew exactly what he needed to do and how to find his spots. So if you're a Chicago Bears backer or a fan or you love Justin Fields from his time in the Big Ten Conference, you were very, very pleased but not shocked by what you saw on Saturday out of QB1 in Chicago. Now the question becomes, will Matt Nagy go back on his word saying Andy Dalton is the starter? Because if you're watching that game on Saturday, yes, it's just week one of the preseason, but Justin Fields needs to start for the Chicago Bears. We'll dissect this a little bit later in the show, but a small bit of movement on Justin Fields to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year from plus 550 to 5-1 to one now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. When you're looking at the Bears overall, their team win total is 7.5. The over is even money at plus 100. The under, minus 120. If you're looking for profitability on the Chicago Bears and you're looking for plus money, maybe you look at that even money to the over of their team win total or maybe, dare I say it, to make the playoffs. Plus 200 is the yes right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If Justin Fields is the starting quarterback, it gives Chicago the best chance of reaching the postseason. Oh, I love overreaction Monday, and I knew that this was going to get Ben. So we'll see how things go with Justin Fields once these defenses actually start to play harder. As for the total, though, this total really depended on where you got it. The total opened at 33, which is where it ended up landing. However, it closed at 36, which meant that for the closing line, this total did go under. All of it is just relative to where you got these lines. The last game we're talking about, the Chiefs end up beating the 49ers 19-16. For the only time this year, the Chiefs were actually underdogs against the 49ers in this game. The Chiefs cover, and the line even moved against them. It went from plus 1.5 Kansas City to plus 2.5 before kickoff. The total of 36.5 moved to 38.5, so it stayed under with that 19-16 final. Trey Lance did play in this game, the first-round pick for the 49ers. He comes in after Jimmy G. Jimmy G, 3 for, uh, three, for 3, 26 yards, and one drive resulting in a punt. Then Trey Lance comes in, and he goes 5 of 14, 128 yards. Yet the big highlight on Twitter was the 80-yard touchdown pass, Ben. Yeah, and that highlight play was certainly a highlight. Rolling back to his left, stops, sets his feet, and then throws an absolute dime for an 80-yard touchdown pass. But when you mention the stat sheet, 5 of 14, not the most efficient night, was also sacked four times. So he did have that highlight play 
But overall, maybe not the best of preseason debuts for Trey Lance. But all we'll remember is that highlight play. And that's what goes to show the stellar athleticism and quarterbacking ability that Trey Lance has. Jimmy G also pretty efficient. Three for three, 26 yards in his only series of work, like you mentioned. No movement really on the San Francisco Giants based on what we saw Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs. The, or the Giants, I said. The 49ers still the favorite to win the NFC West at plus 190. Their team win total of 10 and a half has remained the same so the book saying yeah great job Trey Lance we're not really moving the market all that much back to the Bears game like you mentioned we saw some movement in that total really depended on where you got it but also Saturday was a great representation of betting preseason games live so much movement there and ideas to follow because as you put quarterbacks in like a Trey Lance like a Justin Fields, and you might have some rookies that want to show that they can be here at the NFL level, that is a great opportunity, not just to take a team that was favored maybe now as the spread underdog, but maybe a money line underdog, because the Bears, when they were down by 10 to the Dolphins late in that first half, plus 500, Ariel, on that money line as money line underdogs. That would have been some great profitability on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. For sure, especially because you may have some that quarterback switch. It takes the rookie a little bit of time to get ready. And then by the second half, those rookies that especially went in the first half could heat up. was a little surprised we didn't see Trey Lance run the ball at all in that game, but I'm sure we'll see more of it later on. Coming up next, we'll recap Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. Stay here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Surprise, surprise, Major League Baseball favorites go 10 and 5 straight up yesterday. They're hitting at about mm. 60% overall this year. A favorite that prevailed yesterday was the Cleveland Indians, cashing in at minus 144 on the money line. It was a really exciting game. The Indians end up beating the Tigers 11 to nothing, and the Indians starter was Tristan McKenzie, who goes eight innings pitched. One hit allowed, zero earned runs, zero walks, 11 strikeouts, and 106 pitches. Yes, it was a near-perfect game, retiring the first 23 batters in order before the Tigers' second baseman, Harold Castro, lined a single to right field with two outs in the eighth. Ben, the irony here, everyone in Detroit at Comerica Park was there because they wanted to see Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run, and they almost saw their Tigers get perfect game down, a hitless or... They were hitless, and I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Get perfect gamed against. <laughs> yeah, that that counts. Be a part of history in Major League Baseball, but in a negative you way. Yeah, maybe perfect team. gamed against. Perfect gamed against. I think would count. I think we could send that into the MLB front offices, and they like, would be like, "Yeah." For the perfect. other team at that point, right? Like you're rooting for the other oh, team. Oh, for sure. You want the perfect game. When, 
when you're down 11 nothing and you're, there is a perfect game into the eighth inning, you are hoping to be at that game to see history happen, and then you can tell everybody forever you saw Tristan McKenzie's perfect game at Comerica Park on a Sunday in August in Detroit. I mean, that's a story in its own right. And the thing that makes it so fascinating and so interesting of what Tristan McKenzie did yesterday is he has really struggled this year. That was the first win yesterday that he has had since May 6th, going back a long, long way since his most recent win for the Cleveland Indians. And not to take away from what Tristan McKenzie did yesterday, a stellar outing, having that perfect game into the eighth, 11 strikeouts on top of that, and a Tribe win, 11-0 over the Detroit Tigers. But it was almost a representation, in a way, of how bad the American League Central has been because Tristan McKenzie provided a bright spot. But other than that, This AL Central division has been so porous this year. The White Sox have a huge lead in that division right now, and it's the largest lead, the 10-game lead Chicago has of any division in Major League Baseball. It's why you don't see the AL Central odds up anymore on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And the Indians were supposed to be there. The Minnesota Twins were supposed to be there. But every other team in the AL Central outside of the Chicago White Sox are under 500. So Tristan McKenzie, a bright spot yesterday in what has been a disappointing season for the Cleveland Indians. Another team that it was supposed to be a disappointing season about a month ago is the Atlanta Braves. Switching over to the National League East, the Atlanta Braves are in first place of the National League East for the first time since April 29th. This Braves team has been through a lot. They just swept the Nationals in D.C. 6-5, cash minus 154 on the money line. Atlanta's won 10 of their last 12 games. The Braves have been without their ace, Mike Soroka, who had an Achilles injury, suffered last year. He still hasn't returned to the mound yet this season, despite being expected back in July. They lose their all-star and their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., to a torn ACL a day before the all-star break. This Braves team has been resilient. The thing is, is it because the Braves are good on a hot streak, resilient, or is this division just that bad, Ben? It's the ebbs and flows of the National League East. One team gets stellar hot. The other teams start to fade away because the Braves have won three straight, eight of their last ten. They are 12-3 and three since August 3rd. That is the best mark in all of Major League Baseball. But after the Phillies won eight straight games to get to the top spot of the NL East, they have now lost four of their last six. And the Mets are on a very downward slide, losing 10 of their last 14 games. But credit to Atlanta because they could have been sellers at the deadline. They could have just sat there. Instead, they added some small pieces, trying to make up from the gaping hole that Ronald Acuna Jr. leaves in that lineup. But now the Braves, a one-game lead in the National League East, and the only team, Ariel, in that division with a positive run differential at this point. So that's why they're the favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook currently to win the NL East. We'll continue the conversation on the National League East. We'll talk about what happened to the Mets over the weekend and the New York Yankees. Stay right here. We're going to be right back in about 15 seconds as we welcome in our MSG audience to talk New York baseball. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on Sports Grid. We're also on Sirius XM Channel 204 and the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Here on MSG, we've got you covered till 11 a.m. Eastern Time and on Sirius and Radio noon Eastern Time. We just spoke about the Atlanta Braves and how they have moved into first place of the National League East for the first time since April 29th. The odds continue to move in this National League East, which is pretty much like the NFC East in the NFL last year. You could just continue to bet one of these three teams 
and they're always going to keep sliding over each other into first place. The Braves are now plus 120, the Phillies plus 145, and the Mets plus 290 to win the National League East. The Mets just got swept by the Dodgers. They lost 14-4 to yesterday. The Dodgers were minus 190 on the money line at City Field. Ben, watching this downfall of the Mets, what are your takeaways from what could happen to this New York team over the next month and a half? I mean, the Mets are now two and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves for that top spot in the NL East. They are six and a half games back of that second and final NL wildcard spot. Again, showing that if any of these National League East teams want to get to the postseason, they are going to have to win this division, especially with Fernando Tatis Jr. now back for the San Diego Padres. So when you look at the Mets on this slide continuously, they've lost 10 of their last 14 games in Ariel. They are in the gauntlet, a three-game series against the Dodgers in New York this past weekend. Now they travel out west for a three-game set against the San Francisco Giants, then four games against the Dodgers, then back to New York for another three-game series against the Giants, part of a 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and the Giants. They don't play another team outside of the NL West, outside of the Giants and Dodgers, until August 27th. So not only are the Mets on a slide, it does not get any easier when your next games are against the two best teams in the National League. So this is a very troubling time for the Mets who are falling down the NL East. Now the longest odds on the board at plus 290 to win this division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And it doesn't get any easier anytime soon, Ariel. The Dodgers are now 21-4 and against the Mets in their last 25 games. You also looked at what the Mets have done with runners in scoring position. They are 0-12 with runners in scoring position through seven innings, which currently is tied for the most at-bats without a runner scored this season, 0-12 against the Pirates July 16, 2021. The Mets manager, Luis Rojas, spoke out about what's going on with this struggling offense. There's no concern as far as like the energy level. I know they're going to show up every day with a high energy to face any team that stands in the way. So um, what we need to do is to keep working hard, you know, in the areas that we need to get, be better at. And uh, that's where uh, our focus should be, not, not, a, not a concern. It's just our focus and our trust. Uh, we got to exhaust it in that area. And I think right now still it's the hitting. Yeah, it's the hitting, the 0 for 12 runners in scoring uh, runners in scoring position streak. Not so good, Ben. Very tough to win games if you can't score runs. The Mets are the ninth worst offense in all of Major League Baseball all year long. The fifth worst in the last two weeks. A part of this, 10 of their last 14 games have resulted in a loss. That is the slide. The Mets offense needs to be better. Hoping to get Francisco Lindor back soon. But even the guys that are there right now, Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, Javi Baez on the IL now as well. The trade acquisition at the deadline from Chicago. I mean, it's pretty bleak right now when you look offensively. And other setbacks across their pitching staff as well. We learned over the weekend, Jacob deGrom is still shut down from throwing. It seems like the earliest he could be back now is the middle of September. So tough times for the Mets. And again, it does not get any easier. A three-game set against San Francisco starting today. A four-game set after that in L.A. against the Dodgers. And then back to New York. But the Giants come back to New York to face the Mets there. So the Bats need to wake up but they have some pretty tough competition to do it against. It's funny, too, because Mets fans are going to continue to wait for Jacob DeGrom, their ace, to return to the mound. 
the Mets still never scored runs with DeGrom pitching. So either way, this isn't helping what the Mets need help with, which is run production. Switching over to the New York Yankees, they beat the Chicago White Sox 5-3. The Yankees cash plus 144 as road dogs on the money line. The Yankees do take both their games at guaranteed rate field in Chicago, whereas game one of the series was played in the Field of Dreams game where the Yankees lost in crushing fashion. The Yankees are 23-11 and since July 6th. Then the Yankees still have the third best odds to win the American League East. They're five and a half games back of Tampa for the division and only two and a half games back of the Red Sox in the wildcard game. And as we have said all along, if you are looking for value, if you are looking for opportunity on the pinstripes, it is not the American League East, although they are making a charge and the Rays have lost two straight. The Yankees have won two straight and they are five and a half games back. It is in that American League pennant race where the Yankees are tied for the fifth shortest odds at 11 to 1 plus 1100 because they are only two and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox for that second and final AL wildcard spot. And good news for the Yankees, not only this weekend, showing some resolve after that tough loss in the Field of Dreams game to take the series from the White Sox. They also get Garrett Cole back tonight up in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium starting against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So again, the Yankees plus 1100 to win the American League pennant. If you want to back New York and you want the value, as we have said for the last week and a half, two weeks, as the Yankees have played a lot better since the All-Star break, look to the AL pennant odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 11 to 1 for the Yankees to win that pennant. Oh, man, that's just so crushing. I just I can't get myself to do it. Maybe the Yankees will surprise me. This Yankees team has been really tough to figure out. They've played really well since the All-Star break, as I mentioned, 23-11 and 11 straight up. And the Yankees, for them to take two out of three against the Chicago White Sox on the road, they should have also won that first game. It's been the Yankees' closers that have been so bad. The Yankees go from having the best closer in baseball, one of the best bullpens in baseball, to being the most unreliable closing staff in baseball. Stay here on The Grid. The director of training at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, is going to join us coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Director of Trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran. John, we had the NFL preseason week one this weekend. There was some line movement that ended up going in one direction, and the favorite or the dog, whichever direction it moved against, still ends up cashing. So when you see that there's this line movement that ends up cashing the other way anyway, I mean, what is it that gets you guys to go and shift these lines in the preseason we spoke about it last week didn't we it's you know just very difficult in terms of like how many uh, who's going to be on the field and how many reps are going to take so you know we probably will pay more attention to the way that the market moves and the way that the money comes in on these preseason games than we would in the regular season so not surprising at all that there was significant movement like you say doesn't really surprise Ravens. me that they didn't cash either 
it's just really difficult, right? The betters have the same issues. We're not entirely sure who is going to be on the field and how long they're going to be there for. So, uh, yeah, it's um, a wait until wait until regular season, if you ask me. So, John, we saw a ton of unders across all 16 games in the NFL preseason week number one. The average score across those 16 games combined was less than 32. So how does what you saw in week number one affect the lines that you will set for week number two of the preseason? I think it gives a small bit of insight into the team's mentality and, you know, how structured the offenses are on either side. Um, so I think we'll pay it a little bit of uh, credence, but I think overall it's a small sample size. It's one week of preseason. You know, it could go very well, go the other way next week. So I won't let it influence us too much, but uh, we'll look at it for sure. The interest is always there when it comes to betting the NFL, the most bet sport in, uh, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook. And John, when you saw this preseason week one, how was the handle for you guys? Yeah, I mean, for the reasons that we just talked about, it's it's obviously not as uh, appealing to everybody as regular season for obvious reasons. And, you know, baseball is still num- number one. Uh, on Saturday and Sunday, the baseball games and the MLB generated more handle than any of the football games. So uh, there's an interest and it's good to see football back. And, you know, I think everyone's excited, particularly when we saw you know some of the rookies for the first time over the weekend. Uh, but, yeah, people holding their powder dry until week one, I think. John, you mentioned those rookie quarterbacks. We saw them on full display this weekend, and we've seen a small bit of movement, not a ton of movement, but a small bit of movement in the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year award, even the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. So how do you guys take into account what you saw in week number one of the preseason as it affects those season-long awards? Yeah, look, I think it it gives us some insight, particularly into the likes of Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields. I think both of those reportedly having really excellent um, training camps and you know I've seen a lot of players particularly for Trey Lance come out and say they've been super impressed by him uh, so I think for those two in particular it's just more justification and vindication of what we've been hearing so I think we will pay that some attention in terms of like who starts and what any either of those guys have got shots at starting we obviously don't know and we'll have to let that play out over the next few weeks but I think it's right and fair that those guys get a little bit of a reward for what were really excellent performances in limited reps uh, over the weekend. John, there was uh, there were odds up a few months ago about week one quarterbacks. Who's going to start? Those odds are only up now in Colorado. Why have they been taken down in the New Jersey area? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen them and I haven't looked at them in ages. Um, starting quarterbacks for, for rostered players are approved in New Jersey, so if they're up in Colorado, they should be up in New Jersey. Uh-huh. All right, maybe we'll get on that because Justin Fields, could he be the week one starter? Trey Lance maybe in San Francisco. And John, you know that you love when you come on this show and we ask for more betting markets. And that's what I'm going to do right now because not only did I love the unders of the game totals overall for week one of NFL preseason, you guys were also posting first half totals. And I love that. Can I ask for one more? Can we get team totals so for week number right two? Now. He's tuning us out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just difficult, right? We're, they're going to be last minute. Like I said, we just don't know who's going to be playing. It's hard enough booking these lines and, you know, even on the core markets, let alone going into team totals, et cetera. But we'll see what we can do for you, Ben.
Thank you. John Sheeran, Director of Training at Vandal here on the morning after. John, when it came to the first week of the preseason, now betters have seen these teams in action. Maybe not at 100%. When it comes to week one of the regular season, how much action have you seen come in over the last week? Yeah, look, I think it's just trending towards week one. Um, the you know the games themselves pretty limited, but uh, I think we'll start to see that ramp up once we get more uh, confirmation of who's starting where. And you know, I think you start to build uh, feelings, particularly as we get through maybe week three historically uh, for starters and get a feel for what that looks like and how those teams look. Uh, and then I think you'll start to see the influx of money for for the regular season weeks. John, switching gears to Major League Baseball, we have talked over the last couple of weeks about the San Francisco Giants and their spot in the NL West. In the past week, the Giants have now flipped to the odds-on minus money favorite to win the National League West, to win that division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What caused the flip? I just think it's more games down for San Francisco. They've continued with the good form, obviously. Um, yeah, and now they have better than 50% chance of winning. Oh. Well, San Francisco Giants, and they are looking as if they're going to cash this over on their win total any day now. So the win total of 76 looked pretty good about a few weeks ago. Uh, John, when it came to this National League East, the Braves have first place for the first time since April 29th. You guys were pretty bullish on the Braves. I remember seeing that even though the Phillies were the second-place team to the Mets for a while, you still had the Braves booked as the second-best team in the National League East. What was it about the Braves that you guys saw early on that you guys didn't want to back off them? Baseball is just a long season, as everybody knows, and I think overreaction to a slow start has been, you know, it's pretty rife, right? Everyone writes off the Yankees. All of a sudden, they're on a bit of a tear since the All-Star game, and you know, people are sitting on tickets with big prices against the Yankees coming back and winning a World Series. And you know, I think you know the Braves. We've we've laid them at an average price of closer to three to one. Uh, so we we did move them out, um, but they'd be an excellent result for us in the uh, division because all of that money was for Philadelphia, like we said a couple of weeks ago. So. Uh, I'll definitely want Atlanta to come back. You know, they're a good team. We saw that last year. Slow start, but, you know, baseball is a long season and good teams invariably kind of get back to their level of performance over the season. John, we haven't spoken to you since the Field of Dream games for Major League Baseball on Thursday night. It was a seller event, the most viewed regular season game pretty much in the history of MLB. How was it from a betting perspective on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Yeah, it was a good result, obviously, with the Yankees losing. We always talk about all of the money that we see for the pinstripes, and it was no different in the Field of Dreams game. Obviously, an incredible ending to what was probably one of the most amazing regular season games you'll ever see. I thought it was an incredible spectacle, about 10,000 people there. And, you know, just, yeah, really, really exciting. It doesn't surprise me that it was as successful as it, as it was. So many live betting opportunities in that game as well. Overall, for Major League Baseball live betting, how does the book do? Uh, yeah, I mean, live betting for baseball is obviously a core part of it. It's such a long game in general that, you know, there's big swings and lots of opportunity for people to get involved. And, yeah, I mean, we're interested in what markets we can develop over time and give people more betting opportunities on you know, play at bats and plate appearances and stuff like that, and hopefully get to a place one day where it's, you know, a pitch by pitch market. So, um, continues to be a lot of opportunity for us there, and uh, yeah, it's obviously very uh, a lot of interest to everybody. 
So, John, as we're getting down the stretch run here of the regular season, we have some people returning from injury, including Fernando Tatis Jr. He's the odds-on favorite to win the National League MVP. He hit two home runs in his return to the San Diego Padres yesterday. Right now, the Padres tied for the fifth shortest odds to win the NL pennant on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 12-1. to What's the action and handle been like on the Padres for the book all year long? Yeah, like West Coast teams in general, I, I keep saying this, we don't really tend to get that much interest in them, given that our footprint is primarily on the East Coast. So uh, there hasn't been a ton of interest for them. And, you know, they'd be a really excellent result if they could go on and win the National League. It'd be, you know, a really good result for us with a lot of money on the likes of the Phillies. We saw some St. Louis money, uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, we'd take them for sure. John, I'm going to take us into the business side of things, and you can tell me that you have no involvement in it if you want, but when it comes to betting in New York on your mobile device, they're hoping that by the Super Bowl we could see mobile betting here in New York. Now, for the FanDuel Sportsbook, they're part of this mega group that's going in on this bid. What are any updates on your end that you've heard about this? Yeah, I mean, we don't really have any updates. Obviously, the application is, as everybody's aware, and there's a number of different groups and operators looking to get live in New York. We don't know exactly how it will play out. Um, but, yeah, we're excited if we were to be successful. We'd be super excited to bring the product to, to, to New York and obviously think it's a huge market. And, you know, with our product and, you know, products like SGP, and I think a lot of New York betters would be excited to have FanDuel there. So, yeah, let's see how it plays out over the next few months. But, yeah, it's a huge opportunity, and we're super excited about it. John, personally, as a New York betting hopeful, I would love to have the FanDuel Sportsbook here in the state of New York. And, John, this is also our weekly – I mean, that's what we're hoping – fingers crossed. That's what we're hoping for. And, John, this is also our weekly portion of your segment where I ask you about college sports. We are only about a week and a half away from the start of the college football season. It will be August 28th for Week Zero games getting underway. Has the ramp-up in action happened yet for college football, or is it still a little slow at the moment? Yeah, I think it's a little slow. I think with everything else that's going on, the return of NFL preseason, uh, obviously baseball uh, getting towards the end of the regular season as well, and some of the storylines that are being generated there. I think, you know, college has probably just suffered a little bit in terms of, you know, the narrative and being newsworthy, but that'll obviously change a lot in the next 10 days or so. And uh, we're really excited to get college football back as well. And, you know, hopefully our product is, is, is better than last year. And, you know, hopefully we get a, a really exciting season. When it comes to betting in football, I know it's the most exciting time from at least a sports book and from a sports betting perspective. John, for anything new that may be coming to the sports book this fall, what can we expect? Um, I don't know. We're busy. Uh, we're obviously trying to expand on everything we, we did last year. Uh, we're excited about what college basketball will look like this season. Um, you know, we've got definitely room to improve on the college sports and I think that's something that's been a focus for the next couple of years and you know I think you'll see some significant developments in that space but it's going to take us time and yeah I think starting with baseball basketball this season <laughs> sure anytime we'll take all the help we will take all the help we can get you John if I could book that. college football college basketball college baseball we've talked about that anytime you need me John Sheeran I am there for you don't forget that I won't <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm loving this. Ben is going to get himself a new job, and then he's going to be working 24 hours a day. This is great. John Sheeran, Director of Trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Thanks for coming on with us. We'll see you again later this week. Thanks, guys.
Ben, I don't know. I think that they need some ideas for college football, and you'd be perfect for it. Same game parlay options. What are you same game parlaying this year? Oh, we could same game parlay a lot of things. Maybe some passing yard, touchdown props for some quarterbacks we like as a part of some explosive offenses. We could look side. We could look total. I'm very excited. In the Big Ten portion of the country, a lot of unders to start. That might be an area to look. Oh, unders. Okay, you're feeling daring. Well, coming up next, we have our Fade the Public poll, and we are going to talk about one former college football player that's transitioning to the NFL. We'll see if the public is buying in on him. Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. here on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein we're laughing because both of our producers just kind of had a little mix-up and both counted us in at the same time it was so adorable let's get to our poll it's time for fade the public The poll today is in honor of overreaction Monday, talking about the first overall pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence. The quarterback of the Jaguars did play over the weekend. And the question is, is he going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year award? The public has spoken, and they have spoken loudly. 82.5% say no, Lawrence will not win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Ben, are you fading the public? I mean, whoa. The public is very against Trevor Lawrence, or at least thinks there is somebody else out there who will win the award. And I think this is a lot of recency bias. I also think somebody else will win the award. So, no, I cannot fade the public because I think the public is either referencing two people, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And I'm referencing Justin Fields. I think he will win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, he has the second shortest odds to do so at plus 500. Trevor Lawrence is still the favorite, and still rightfully so. And by the way, T-Law looked pretty good in his preseason opener as well for the Jags on Saturday night against the Cleveland Browns. Pulling up his stats right now, Trevor Lawrence, 6 of 9, 71 yards, very efficient. If the quarterback battle is open, by the way, Gardner Minshew, 4 of 8, only 47 yards in an interception. It needs to be Trevor Lawrence starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Lawrence was pretty accurate in the game, as you mentioned. Lawrence looked very comfortable in the pocket as well. I just love overreaction Monday. People are thinking, oh my gosh, Trevor Lawrence didn't have an 80-yard touchdown pass. Oh my gosh. Okay, great. Like, good job, guys. We're all going to go based off one play, all against defenses that probably were second, third, fourth strings. Guys, seriously, let's wait until week one to make our crazy decisions and placing money on these things, too. Coming up next, it's hour number two here on the show. We have Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com to break down some injuries in the NFL. And Tom Vecchio, you want home run props? He's got them for you. Hour two, up next. 